Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Ministry Staff Success Plus podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Samuels. The purpose of the podcast is to inform, educate, edify, and enlighten the body of Christ in the area of church administration plus. And the plus includes life application topics that we hope will aid us in living our best blessed Christian life. Now our past shows can be found on blogtalkradio.com at blogtalkradio.com forward slash ministry staff. We're starting our podcast life out with the hot topic of Christian relationships. Our featured guest is Lawrence Etienne. He is the author of the, what I entitle, Christian romance novel, When It All Falls Apart. Lawrence is first a proud husband, father, and grandfather. He's a member of the Lighthouse Church where Reverend Keon Henderson is pastor. Lawrence earned a degree in telecommunications from Texas Southern University, so he's a tiger. He has been an award-winning teacher for 22 years. He's actually won the Distinguished Award of Teacher of the Year twice. Last but not least, Lawrence co-hosts a passionate gospel radio show every Thursday evening on Rama Gospel Radio. Lawrence, welcome to Ministry Staff Success Plus. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Well, Lawrence, I want to jump right into it because I was so impressed with the spiritual implications and the spiritual lessons in the book. Mm -hmm. That's the main reason that I invited you to do a show because you talk about a lot of practical things that we don't necessarily get in a sermon or in Sunday school class or in a book club, a Christian book club. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to share with us, first of all, what inspired you to write the book? Um, it, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, actually, um, when I decided to write, it's funny, when I decided to write, I was actually going through a divorce. Um, I remember um, one morning getting up, you know, when I was going through a divorce, I was kind of engulfing myself with, with the word. I mean, I would have my television timer set on Joyce Myers, Creflo Dollar, Leroy Thompson, Charles Stanley, TDJs, you name it, anybody I felt like I could learn from. That's why I had my television program to come on automatically, even at through the middle of the night when I'm sleeping. I was I needed God's words so bad. I I, I needed it in my subconscious even when I was sleeping. I went through. I had to wake up to it because I was going through it. So I remember one morning I was getting ready to take my. It was during the summer. I was getting ready to take my younger son to football practice where he left race during the summer. And T D. Jakes was on that morning, and um, he's I, I was brushing my teeth and I overheard him say, "Everyone wants to be blessed." But very rarely do people want to bring anything to God to bless. And, and that kind of stuck to me. I said, okay, well, what is it that I can do that I can give to God and so he can anoint? Because I had to do something with my time. 
Mm. I'm sure you. I'm sure you understand this, and everyone that's listening understand that the idle idle mind, idle time is a devil's workshop. Right. And I, I had I had to keep myself busy because the longer I sat there with nothing to do, the only thing that was on my mind is what I was going through, and that was that wasn't doing anything but depressing me. So I decided, okay, God, I I teach writing, I teach composition writing. How about I write a book? So I was I was excited about that, but the topic, but the, what I was going to write about at first was about an inner city kid um, who had to decide to go the way of the world and and on the streets or live a life for Christ. Um, because I, I I've, been, I've been working with children all these years, and it was funny because I, I remember driving to the driving home from uh, dropping my son off at school. God said, "No, I want you to write about marriage," and and the first thing that I came to my mind was, Lord. You sure you want me to write about match? I'm actually, I'm going through a divorce right now. Hmm. I mean, in, in a natural mind, what sense does that make? I'm I'm gonna write a book to empower people to keep their relationships, and here I'm going through a divorce. At, at the time, it just didn't. What to my to my limited uh, thinking, it didn't it didn't register. But God had it had had a plan the whole time. So that's that's how that's how I came up with the idea of writing, and God. Um, pretty much saying, no, um, this is my book. I'm just using you to write it. So I, I accepted that role and here we are. Okay. Well, let's get into the book. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask questions that um, after reading the book, this is, you know, after you watch a movie, you have like questions at the end, mm-hmm. like if or well, what if they... So these are my questions after reading the book. And the first one is, what weaknesses in the genesis, the beginning of relationships, are you aiming to identify through the characters in the book? What, what are we doing wrong in the beginning? I, I think, you know, I think we all have been there. Um, you know, we felt like when we first met someone and we had those infatuation feelings and and um, you know the, the the onset of love or being in love. I think we tend to base our relationship based on how it makes us feel emotionally, physically, or what have you. And all those things, um, pretty much are fleshly type things. The things that makes us feel good. And I think we gravitate towards that, and we think it's okay because this is a new love. I'm trying to understand this person. I'm trying to feel them out, and I like everything that 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 they're presenting right now. And we don't really go in the beginning. We don't go deeper because we're satisfied with the feeling at that point. So many, you know, and when you're dating and courting, you know, that, you know, when we were coming up, they told us that's puppy love, or you know, you felt like you had the butterflies. Well, that was that on the surface stuff. That was mm. everything that was appealing to our flesh. We didn't, you didn't really know who you were married to or who you were with until the butterflies leave. And that's the telltale <laughs> sign. <laughs> that's the telltale sign. That's right. Well, how can a spouse's spiritual growth put a strain on a marriage? Because um, I, I meet people sometimes, and me being a, a minister, I don't know why they think I know because I've never been married. I can't tell you much. <laughs> but it seems that when people are at different spiritual levels of maturity, if it's not managed properly, you can isolate the spiritually maturing spouse from the rest of the family. 
mm-hmm. not not intentionally, but it can happen. How can that be managed and overcome? I think it's I think it's a shared responsibility. Um, if 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 my wife is, you know, on a on a, on a, on a spirit on a higher spiritual spiritual uh, plane than I am, I have to understand that. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm asking her to take part in things that goes against her spiritual principles, I'm not helping her in turn, or I'm not respecting her relationship with God at that point. Um, and then on the on her on her on, on her end, I think it's important for someone that's on a higher spiritual level that's married to someone that's not on that level yet. I think it's it's a very thin line, but you gotta be very very careful that you don't sound condescending. Or it doesn't sound like you're being judgmental every time. And every time you're judging them on something they're doing wrong, you want to apply the, a word, a word of God, and attach a word of God to it. And, hmm. and, and there are times when those people that are on a higher spiritual plane and they want to correct their spouse or they want to give give a suggestion, they want to attach a word of God with it. And <laughs> indirectly, what they're doing is they're turning that person that's not on that level. They're they're having them turn a side eye, not to the not to their spouse, but many times a side eye to God's word hmm. because it's, it sounds like now, now you're using God's word to cut me and to be judgmental. And if that's what that walk is all about, I can do that over here. I can do hmm. that, but I don't need to get close to God to be judgmental and to and to be dogmatic and. I don't need I don't need the word of God for that. My flesh can handle that all by itself. Okay. <laughs> okay, what does it seem? And this is a question. Why does it seem that the less spiritually mature spouse will sometimes resent their partner's endeavor to live a holy life? Why 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 sometimes they resent their partners? Can you repeat that? So Sometimes the less spiritually mature spouse mm-hmm. resent their partner's quest to live a holy life. Can this deepen spirituality in one spouse push the other spouse into violation of the marriage covenant? And what I'm saying here is, well, you've gotten so holy, you're a different person, uh, and we're not connecting anymore. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave me? Can that lead a person instead of leading them into a deeper relationship with God, lead them the other way? I, I think so. I think so. Uh, my wife has a saying, and you know, it's a saying that you know we've heard over years. Sometimes we can be so heavenly mind, minded that we're no earthly good, mm-hmm. and and we have to remember in, in a relationship with your spouse. You know, that's a union. There's so many slices of the pie in the marriage. There's a business side. There's a spiritual side. There's a physical side. All um, right. Um, and, and, and let's let's be candid here. Um, to to be so holy, um, nobody wants to listen to Kirk Franklin when it's time to be intimate with your spouse. I know I don't. I love Fred Hammond, but I don't want to hear no weapon when I want to be intimate with my wife. Or I want to have an intimate situation, a romantic situation. There are times that we it's, it's okay for us. You know, I'm, we, I don't want to be so spiritually high to where I feel like everything I do, um, if I if I listen to secular music, it's going to taint my spirit. So to where right. I, can't, I, I can't listen to a love song with my wife because um, this is my it might it might corrupt my walk. I mean. 
<laughs> and because if you ask me, Lawrence Atien, one man, if you ask me, if if a song or two can corrupt your walk, my question is, how strong is your walk? Hello, I'm, I'm with you when you write, but that that's a complaint that I've heard often, mm-hmm. and people see it as well the devil, and I'm like, not necessarily. No, it's just that you're new in your faith, mm-hmm. and in that you really how can i say it you're unsure of yourself so you're going overboard Mm -hmm. on -hmm. the spiritual side to the point whereas your family members your friends and even your own spouse sometimes cannot connect with you no it's almost like being on, it's almost like being on a diet have you ever been around someone who they're, 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 they're focused on losing weight but they're afraid that they're going to get off their eating plan. So instead of eating, they'd rather not eat at all because if they decide to eat, they know they'll probably eat the wrong thing. So they'll go, they'll try to just go on a liquid diet, which never <laughs> never yeah. works never works for the long run. But they're yes. so afraid that they're going to fall off the wagon if they actually eat. They'll nibble on, on, on some almonds and drink some water and, 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 and drink apple cider as if that's going to be for the long run. That's not going to that's not going to sustain you. At some point, you're going to have to get in the game and you have to show that you have some 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 maturity and you, and you have some discipline and you can stand in the middle of a golden, golden corral buffet and still not partake. <laughs> you're going to have to fight but, at some point. Yes. What you're saying is that the onus, the responsibility Mm-hmm. is really on the spiritually mature person That's right. to make sure that they're not losing touch That's right. because with the it, rest of their family. Because our motto, now, our motto is Jesus. He, he, yes. was in, he, he was in the trenches amongst the sinners. He didn't isolate yes, himself. He put himself in the middle of it and he led by example to where he doesn't, he didn't push away people. People decided that they were compelled to follow by, by how he led. Now you are on another show, but I will come. I will come in and say that a Christian should be attractive. That's right. If you're repelling everybody, then we really need to check our walk. Yes. Based on the book, should we assume that a spouse's desire to stay faithful in a marriage is spiritually inclined? If a spouse desires to remain faithful, will the Spirit of God enable him or her to do so through divine intervention? And what I mean by that is, if a person is in a marriage relationship, Mm -hmm. the desire that they have, the sincere desire that they have to stay faithful, is that spiritual? Because I believe that Marriage is a spiritual union, yes. not something to be taken lightly. It's a spiritual union. And in order to do right in the marriage, not only in faithfulness, because you can be unfaithful financially. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, it takes the spirit of God to enable us to do that. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I would say if someone is they're, 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 they're solid on not, by, by, by not cheating and committing adultery. It has to first be that solid commitment to God first. 
Yes. Because it becomes a question of integrity. I, I don't want God seeing me doing anything that will upset him or disappoint him first. I and mean, if I can do that, the overflow will be that my, my spouse has a faithful wife or a faithful husband. And they have that because I have a total reverence for God and my, my spiritual integrity means something to me. And my spouse gets that overflow. I think, I think many times people that say that they're committed and they're not going to cheat, they're not going to do anything because they're basing it on how they love that person. But what happens when that person upsets you? What happens when that person let you down? Does that, does that, does that change your resolve to be faithful? Hmm. And, and, and that's, that's why we have to be very, very careful to what we don't, we don't, when we say those vows at, at that altar, that we're not saying those vows because we're feeling those butterflies in our in our in our stomach and our heart is just pouring out of love for that person. We say those vows because we know we have some spiritual integrity that at first and foremost we don't want to let God down. And I, I had to grow to that point, to be totally honest with you. I had to grow to that point. We're about to change gears a little bit. This is also based on the book. These are just some questions that I had uh, based on the some of the events that happened in the book. Okay. Why is it important to implement a plan to keep a marriage intact if the family situation drastically changes? You got a lot of change going on. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to stop and do something different in order to keep things together. You mean in, ter- in terms of sometimes you have to ride the wave and you have to be um, flexible? Is, is, is that yes. the question? Yes. You, you, in any relationship, um, especially a long-term relationship, like, like you know, uh, uh, a parent to a child, um, siblings, spouse, you know, those are lifelong relationships. And, he, and here's what we sometimes we kind of forget. We all going to change. Um, um, the 20 old you will not be the same at 40. Um, the 40 old you probably won't, won't be the same at 80. I mean, we're going to change every five to 10 years as far as who we are. Um, there are times when we can't stand ourselves. There are times when we look back in our past and said, you know, the 50 the year old me would have never done what the 18 year old me did. In retrospect, we changed. We're different. And if we don't, if we don't change with each other to where it's a, it's a smooth transition from one era to another era, and we and we refuse to 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 constantly revisit our relationship to make sure that we are still one operating as one unit. What worked ten years ago when we first got married may not be working at all. Matter of fact, what worked ten years ago probably has now gotten on your nerve to where you're almost about to call a, a divorce attorney. Hmm. Because we did we didn't transition over over time. Yes. And I call that a plan. Yes. You 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 gotta go back and revisit mm-hmm. in any relationship I, I, to I think, keep it strong. I, I think one of, I think one of the biggest deals that, that, that most most relationships or most marriages uh, suffer from is is you know the, the, the that whole courting stage, that whole butterfly stage. You know, it is it's we do it in the beginning, but Towards that middle, that middle 
the, the, the 10 year, 15, and definitely 20 year mark? Are we still mm-hmm. going on dates? Are we still sewing into each other in that area? Do we still look forward to coming home and, and having good conversation and, and cooking something to eat and just enjoying each other for the evening? Has that gone out the window or is it life now just a, just a boring routine to where you sit in the driveway for 30 minutes asking God to give you some strength before you walk in the door? Oh, my Lord. We, we got, you got to ask yourself those questions. Some, some things you can't throw away. Hard questions. That's right. Those are hard questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, spiritually mature people, Christians, because mm-hmm. we, we have a lot of Christian divorce. That's another reason why I wanted to do the show. Mm-hmm. Why is a spiritually mature person reluctant to admit that they need relationship help? Everybody needs some guidance. That, that is a great question. And I What's the to, nature of that response? I just, I just want to point this out quickly. That is, I am tackling that issue in the sequel of When It All Falls Apart. That is one of the major issues that I'm tackling um, in the sequel. Um, it is because the spiritual strong person is so re- that we, 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 we are taught to rely on God for everything, almost to a fault. And, 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 and I don't want to, I don't want to twist anything up. Please understand me. We believe everything, all our healing, all our answers is going to come from, from God's mouth, from his word. And many times, there are times God is going to lead us to places, and there's people on the earth that he's strategically placed to yes. help us. But I think we get so holy and we get so spiritual to where you have people that says, oh, I'm not going to take my medicine. My God is going to heal me. And God said, no, I wanted you to go get your checkups. I wanted you to eat certain things. I want you to take your blood pressure medicine. I want you to do a better job of taking care of yourself because in everything, I I, I, I know the Bible, but I don't know the Bible, you know, backwards and forwards, but I do know this. In every, every time God wanted something done, man had to do something. Mm -hmm. There was an action required. And I think a lot of times we sit back and we want God to do all the work and we think it's just going to be a burning bush or there's going to be a ram in the bush for us. When God said, no, I, I required you to work. Your, your, your blessing was going to come through your action. I was going to lead and guide you. I want to have people strategically placed to help you and, and, and to, so you can reach your goal. But you have to move. I don't really No, I can say in the African-American community, Many times we're reluctant to take therapy. Yes. And that's something that I learned in seminary in a pastoral care class. Support groups and therapy is very important because you need many times that third party that is independent and they don't have anything to lose so they can be objective. And they can help us. And God gifted people to help us. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. He placed I, them there. I, I heard something in, in, in your in your um, explanation was given. I, I think I think many times we suffer from pride. Oh, for sure. I was waiting on that explanation. And that has nothing to do with God. Nothing. It's our pride, especially when we have been seen as the spiritual 
go to for people. People come to us for help. We always have a word for someone. And for, and for, for, for people to find out we're going to get therapy, I would, that, that's pride. You know what? I, I think it would make people more apt to come to us if we admit that we're not these super spiritual people which don't really exist. I totally agree. And that we have weaknesses and frailties also. Yes. Yes. Now, I have a few more questions that are not, I guess I, I, I can say not necessarily lined up with the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and these come from my experience with the book. Why is it that even when we are warned by loved ones, we are still apt sometimes to pursue or remain in a dangerous or unhealthy intimate relationship? You know, you you meet somebody and you really like them and then a friend of yours meets them and and they see some things that you don't see because of the butterflies. Mm -hmm. Even though when we're warned by more than one person, the Bible said, out of the mouth of two or three, let every word be established. And to me, two or three people are always going to tell you the same thing. When you hear, when you keep hearing the same thing and you didn't tell anybody anything, mm-hmm. why won't we listen? I, it's funny. Uh, on, on our radio show uh, last week, um, the topic was um, domestic violence, the internal battle. And my brother and I, uh, my brother was a guest on the show last week, and we talked about that that battle that has been taking place in us the day our, our our mother gave birth to us and that was that battle between flesh and spirit mm-hmm. and, and 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 many times that when when the flesh is in control um we the spirit hears but it's almost powerless to the flesh because we fed one thing more than the other therefore we're going to be led by the one that is the strongest and many times when People are giving you sound advice and you can hear 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. This is not that you don't understand, you don't process and you don't agree with the suggestions and the advice that you, that's being given to you. It's just a, f- a fact that you're not strong enough to act on those that advice or those suggestions because you are spiritually weak. I mean, hmm. we, we, you, you know, many times though non-believers or people that's not that strong in the faith would think that's just a phrase. no. That is a that is that is a way of life. Spiritual spiritual strength is needed to succeed. Spiritual strength is needed to to fight off these temptations. If you don't have it, you you are subject to be be played like a pawn in this world by Satan and his demons. That's that, true. That is a real deal. You have to be you have to feed this spirit in order to fight. If not, you will fall victim. You will find yourself in the same. I call it a hamster wheel. You will run a hundred miles and not go anywhere. Another question. Thank you for that because it's just true. When does, okay, when someone does connect with a partner and the relationship is going well, should they wait to share the good news? Because many times somebody will meet someone and you know, we won't meet them maybe for six months. And we'll go, well, where, where's this person? Been? 
but they'll say, well, it's been going so well. I, I didn't want to tell anybody. I, I didn't want to jinx it or mess it up. Is that something that we should or should not do? Should we isolate if it's going well? Um, it, it can be, it, that can work against you if you wait too long. Um, hmm. Um, I, I, and I say that because within that, you know, we, we, we said earlier, about, we talked about the butterfly stage and, you know, that the state of um, just, just feeling like floating on a cloud, um, that, that usually happened within those six months. So you, you're kind of um, oblivious to some, some signs because you're only focusing on the positives. And, you're, and what we tend to do, we tend to give concessions or we tend to give what we may not like. We, we, we tell ourselves that the longer we're together, they'll get better at that. So I'm not gonna let there be an issue right now because there's too many positive things about this person that I, that I like to, to say this is a deal breaker based on those two or three things that I see. So we, we make concessions in the beginning. And but if we allow family members, people that respect our close circle to kind of analyze that partner, um, you know, they may see some things that we don't see because we're actually caught up in moments. OK, so that can work against you where after after that, you know, that whole that, that, that lovey dovey stage wears off and the things that you saw now, they're, they're, they're like, it's like an elephant in the room now. And maybe, okay. maybe, maybe you should allow the set of eyes to see this situation. So. Okay. Now, in closing, and thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. Please share with us a few recommendations on maintaining healthy communication in an intimate relationship in about 15 seconds. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I think I think the main thing is when you're communicating to understand that when you're when, when you're when you're supposed to listen, make sure you're listening and processing, not to come back with a rebuttal, but to un try to understand what that person is, is is saying to you. Try to understand to understand it from their perspective. Okay. Wonderful. Like I said, Mr. Etienne, this has been dynamic. The book is wonderful. And I think if people read it and they read it with an open mind, mm -hmm. that they'll gain a lot of spiritual insight yes. in relationships from the book. Are there any upcoming events or an engagement you'd like to share with us? Um, right now, um, I'm just you know, right now I'm just doing my, my radio show with my co-host Lady G um, on RamblingGospelRadio.com. Every Thursday uh, evening at seven, um, I'm actually writing the sequel now. As I said earlier, um, for when, to when it all falls apart, and I would like to let people know you can get this book on Amazon, um, when it all falls apart, by Lawrence Etienne. My last name is spelled E T I E N N E. It's available on Amazon. I believe it's still available on, on um, Apple Apple um, Books. Or if you want to get it on your um, iPod or um, your your cell phone, you want to get the um, the digital copy, those are available as well. So, um, so that's that's about it. I'm, I'm continue to write, continue to give people something to hold on to to help with power relationships and entertain them at the same time. So I want my novels to be entertaining as well as thought provoking. So that's my goal. 
Well, praise God and thank you so much for joining us on Ministry Staff Success Plus. Ministry Staff Success Plus also, it, well, Ministry Staff Success Plus, I should say, is sponsored by Min Labors for the Harvest International. And Labors for the Harvest International sponsors a website, www.jobsforharvest.com, which is a Christian job board for faith-based organizations. So please visit the site and please join us again. Thank you so much, Lawrence, and God bless. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a blessed evening.